So uh, verse of the day here really kind of stands out to what we're doing. Uh, so I'm going to read that, Hebrews 10.25. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So the, the thing that kind of stands out there and in the notes from the, the pastor that does the verse of the day.com here is encouraging one another. It's kind of the point of church. Sometimes we, we kind of, I think we gloss over that and we miss it, that the point of us coming together is obviously, first and foremost, worshiping, worshiping the Lord, uh, bringing Him glory. But in that, we're supposed to encourage one another. And sometimes I think we come here, we come here to get fed, obviously, but we, we need to get in the habit of coming here to feed, to feed each other, to bless each other, and to glorify the Lord in that. So, how we're doing that today is through testimony. And testimony is important. It's scriptural. It's all over in the Bible. Um, you, you have the testimony of someone like Enoch, who walked with the Lord and was taken away. He was only here for a few hundred years. This is back in the day when they used to live a lot longer. Um, and apparently he did a very good job because the Lord just took him to heaven. And then you have the testimony of someone like Paul, who started off trying to do things right, in his eyes anyway, and in the eyes of, of uh, uh, the leaders around him. And he goes back to through his testimony at least a couple of times and talks about all the horrible things that he used to do and uh, what the Lord did in his life. And there's, it's just scattered with testimony. The Bible is a testimony. It's a testimony of the past, of what God has done. Um, I think it's very important to share what the Lord has done in our lives um, in a way that glorifies Him and not us. Uh, I know sometimes testimonies can be like, hey, look what I've been through. Um, but really it's, hey, look what God has done. So to start that off here, I will uh, kick off my little story. And I'll try to make it quick because I tend to ramble. Not that I like talking about myself, but Lord help me. So I grew up in a Christian home, uh, wonderful parents right there, Mr. and Mrs. Cornel, Larry, and Carol. Stand, if you will. Don't stand, it's okay. <laughs> Hope you have the energy to stand these days. I love you. So very thankful for my parents. Um, obviously, we all come from where we come from. So uh, growing up, uh, they had finally really you know, sought the Lord, started seeking Him, I think, more so than they did when they were younger. I was, I came along way later. It was uh, in their late 30s when I was born. So they had kind of lived that portion of their lives already. And um, thankfully, I had a lot of structure. Um, and they gave me um, a lot of hope because of the the prayers that they gave uh, for me, gave up for me. And uh constantly and consistently telling me about the Lord. So uh, I'm very appreciative of that. And I don't know if I'd be around if it wasn't for them. I probably wouldn't. I, well, yeah, well, yeah, there's two levels to that, two sides to that story. So, um, so anyway, uh, I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, they felt the Lord uh, telling them to name me Joseph Paul before I was even conceived. I believe it was on their honeymoon. They had been high school sweethearts. Uh, that didn't work out. 20 years later, God brought them back together. So um, 
I am the only child between those two there. Um, they had uh, six other children between them and other marriages and stuff before I came along. So I have six half-brothers and sisters. Um, so the Lord told them that they were going to have a son and to name him Joseph Paul. So that's what they did. And that's my name, Joseph Paul. Uh, as I grew up, um, I believe they said that there was one time where I started speaking in tongues when I was about five-ish or something like that. I don't remember that so much, but the Lord was active in my life. I remember hearing his voice when I was a little kid. Uh, one time I, I kept hearing my dad call my name, just like the story of Samuel. And uh, I, would, I was at this event and I was, out in, I was outside and my dad was inside and I heard him calling my name, ran inside. What do you want? I didn't call your name. I did it three times. And then he did the thing like, hey, should you should just say here I am Lord and I did that and then I didn't hear anything else so I hope I said it right but I'm still here so um so continuing on I was a pretty good kid I think he had 11 a little bit of rebellion there uh discovering cuss words and things that you can like cigarettes and stuff so then I kind of went back. I was, it was on and off, on and off, on and off. I, I, my parents put me in a Christian school, which was great. That helped a lot. The Lord told them to make that sacrifice, which was a huge sacrifice because you have to pay for it. Um, and we weren't cert certainly weren't well-to-do. Um, but they did make the sacrifice, and I'm very thankful for that. Um, so right around the age of 14, my parents were at a revival, and there was a prophet there. And he called them out of the audience and said that you have seven kids between you. The youngest kid is special. He's, he's going to go through some things, but he's going to come out of it a great man of God. So that was kind of the, the, the hope that the Lord instilled in me. They came home. They were jazzed. They told me about that. I was like, I'm not doing anything wrong. What are you talking about? And uh, I, was, I was 14. I was, I was a really good kid at 14. It was one of, the, one of the best years of my life. I always say it's the year of most freedom and the least responsibility, which is very much Joe. So at 15, it was a different story. I started messing around, even though I was trying to do what's right. started dating. Eventually, that led to what it leads to, um, even though I didn't want to, but it did. Um, that was the first year. I, I, I was a very curious child, and, uh, and I had, had had troubles with depression, but um, 15 is when it really kicked in. I started listening to some music I shouldn't have listened to. Really got deep in that, Nirvana and things like that. Really put Kurt Cobain on a pedestal. So I um, uh, started learn, learning to play guitar. Um, really just dove into that, that scene. Um, and uh, it was the first year I tried uh, smoking marijuana. It's the first year I got, got drunk. Um, a lot of firsts at 15. Uh, right around 16, um, I, uh, we had a spiritual emphasis week at, ch at school, which is great because we had chapel every Wednesday. You had to wear a tie and dress up. Um, so there had been a lot of prayer, apparently, over the school at that point in time, and I didn't know that. I wasn't really privy to that because it was another section of kids that I really didn't hang out with that were, were praying for that. Um, uh, there was a, um, a traveling evangelist that came to our church that same time, Rick Pasquale. Now he is a, uh, he, he, uh, he's an evangelist over in Italy, I think. Uh, fiery, just full of the Spirit. Um, I got blasted. Sunday night, I got my friends. I was like, hey, let's go to church, because I was always kind of like this 
this little kind of preacher, kind of druggy. It was kind of a weird, weird mix. But um, I would get my friends to come to church with me. Um, and the Spirit just poured out that night. I was blasted. Uh, I was on the floor for a good 45 minutes, laughing, crying, rolling around. It was amazing. Um, it was just emanating off me after that. Um, so the very next day, uh, the Spirit decided to break out at our school. Um, and I started praying for people. They started going out in the Spirit. It was amazing. Nothing like that had happened at that school. In fact, a lot of the teachers were kind of against that thing. They came from more of a Baptist persuasion. So that whole thing happened. I got with some friends. We went out. We burned a bunch of stuff, which is very biblical. Like They burned the books and acts. Uh, 50,000 drachmas, I think it was, which is a lot of money. Um, unfortunately, the enemy likes to hijack that thing, and sometimes people think book burnings are like, oh my goodness, Nazis or whatever. But it is biblical to get rid of the trash in our lives. So, and, and fire purges. And it was, it was amazing because when that fire was burning, it was piled. I mean, one of my friends was into gay pornography. It was piled full of gay, gay porn. Um, drug paraphernalia, all sorts of stuff. There was nothing in that fire in the shape of a cross except for the fire. I kid you not. It was amazing. Um, we were, I mean, my friend was speaking in tongues. He could barely drive. We were, we had discernment. We were picking out houses of all these crazy things that were going on. Later on, we found out that all of it was true. Came back, I grew up in a trailer park. I came back to the trailer park that I was at, and that's the first time I really had discernment. And I was like, it was intense. That whole, that place was full of darkness except for this one house. And that was the first time I experienced the closest thing to heaven that I could possibly imagine. It was pure love that was emanating from that house. And I was totally tuned into it. It was like darkness, darkness, darkness. We came up to the stop sign and all of a sudden, I was like, what is that? And I remember that that lady one time, I was walking by her house as a kid and she asked me to help her carry in some groceries winter house, and it was full of all this Christian, like the walls just, Lord is healing, full of Christian paraphernalia. And she said, well, when you need help, look who the Lord sends you. And she gave me like a $5 bill for helping her. It was the only interaction I had with that lady. But her house, her trailer was, was soaked, saturated in the presence of the Lord. And that night I could feel it. And as soon as I got out of that area, that little window, it was back to the darkness so as I went on, um, I was really into it for a while, and then it kind of fell off. I really didn't have that relationship with the Lord that you need. I had the experiences, but I didn't have that foundational, everyday relationship with the Lord. Selling out to Him, it was always about the fireworks and the big things. It wasn't about that day-to-day -day taking up your cross. Um, but the Lord was showing me who He really was, and it was amazing. Um, so eventually, I unfortunately... Uh, Kept on dating, had a girlfriend for about four or five years there on and off. It was a horrible relationship, lots of scarring and baggage that I still deal with to this day. Um, but at one point, we broke up, so I was like, I just want to have fun. I just want to have fun. So I went out and I got drunk. And I was like, I'm not doing drugs again. Of course, I started doing drugs again. Eventually, I ended up getting in trouble at school, and I was like, I'm probably going to get fines out of this. What's a good way to make money when you're 17 years old? don't have a car or a job, I'll sell drugs. So I started selling drugs, and eventually that turned into more drugs and running a drug house, and uh, it was just that kind of a, 
a scene in my life at 17 years old. My parents had gone off to Lansing and left me with the house before we, we were going to sell it. They had followed some uh, uh, career paths that they needed to go on, and they, they trusted me because I had been a good kid up to that point. Um, so it was kind of a dark time, uh, more depression, more things like that. Had lots of friends, though, and unfortunately most, you know, well, not most, but I can't count on all my fingers and toes. I mean, there's all of them that have been, are gone now, suicide and overdoses and all that stuff. So it ended up being a long track of just grossness and darkness. Um, the Lord had times in, that, the, the, in those those parts of my lives where he showed up and I went back to him and then fell off and went back and fell off again. And uh, all the way through when I was 18, 19, started getting DUIs, stuff like that. Ended up going to jail a couple of times. Um, and then lost my license for, ended up being for about eight years. I didn't get it back until I moved up here and was married. Um, so... Eventually, it got to the point where I was between Lansing and back home where I grew up, Benton Harbor, St. Joe area. Stevensville is the name of the town. Uh, I, lived, I lived out of my car for a while. That was, that was fun. I had an 83 Camaro. I missed that car. Uh, I didn't have a mullet, though. I had long hair down to here. I wish I would have brought pictures of that. But, um, yeah, I like to document things. So I have all this stuff documented, times, dates, seasons, all these things that the Lord has shown me. And one of these days I'll put it all together when I'm not so busy and, uh, and glorify the, uh, the Lord in that way because it, it, it's amazing because he speaks to me in, in numbers and in, in, in times and dates and he shows me his perfect precision. I've had him do things 12 years to the day of events in my life where he's like, this is what I've ordained just recently. And it, he's just absolutely amazing. Uh, and he knows what he's doing. So he allowed these things, waited patiently for me. Parents waited patiently for me, praying, all of that stuff. Uh, had a little bit of a revival in my life in my early 20s. Ended up losing hope again, drinking again. Eventually I... I would, I would go down to Florida and work at my brother's bar. He had a, a gay bar in Florida. And I would go there and work uh, for Memorial Day weekend so I could hang out with my brother and I could uh, uh, party and make some money. Uh, so I did meth for the first time down there. And I had been doing cocaine and stuff like that too. The drugs got harder. And when I was younger, it was more you know, marijuana and LSD and stuff like that. But as you pro progress through this, you know, you start getting into pills and harder things that um, tend to not agree so well with you over time. Um, and at one point, I took too much. And I was 24. It was July uh, 2005. And I had a minor overdose on crystal meth. So I remember the, I fought it throughout the whole night. And I remember stripping down and trying to get on the basement floor, the concrete floor to cool off my body. I thought I was, I thought it was over, but the Lord helped me throughout the whole night. I, obviously, I was crying out to him. Um, the next day, I ended up going to a walk-in clinic, and they treated me wonderful, as they usually do for drug addicts that come in there. It wasn't very nice, but um, uh, after a few days, I was able to walk again without, like, having my blood pressure go crazy and stuff. Uh, so I was like, 
let's go party. So I went to a wedding and started drinking. At that point, I had really sworn off drugs, and I meant it. Um, but I didn't swear off alcohol. So I started drinking again that night, and towards the end of the night, I was looking pretty rough. Uh, my blood pressure was through the roof because at the party I was at, there was a nurse. She took my blood pressure. She's like, stop drinking right now. And then I started blacking out, and my friends were freaking out, and thankfully I had good friends. Um, we've had other friends that didn't have, were hanging out with not so nice people that would just take them to the hospital and leave them in the car without taking them inside, and they just pass away in the vehicle in the parking lot of a hospital because they're afraid of getting in trouble. My friends took me right in. Um, they drove me to the hospital. Uh, I remember they took my shirt off, and I still had all the shave spots from the EKG from the few days before. They hooked me back up to the machines and stuff. And uh, I came out of it. I was fine after that. I mean, I had physical issues for months. Finally swore that off. Got a job at a farm. It was a horrible place to work. <laughs> but it was good because I needed structure. So um, working long hours, uh, body was healing, physical exercise and all that was helping, working a manual job. So anyway, um, was trying to seek the Lord, but still wasn't sure. 24 years old, still playing games. Um, and then I went to church one day. I had continued to go to church. And at one point, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I can even do this. I don't know if I can come back. I don't know if, it's, if, I've, if I've gone too far. Um, I had a mentor down there. Bill Foley was his name, is his name. And uh, he helped me a lot. Parents were living up here. Um, I had friends down there, but obviously they were still doing what they were doing. So Bill was kind of the only one there that, that I could lean on. He was a family friend. Obviously he was older. He was friends of my parents. But um, at one point they had bailed me out of jail earlier on. So they were kind of there through it, and they had uh, experience with this kind of stuff. So um, he would come. After I, I quit going to church, he would come and bang on the windows of the basement I was, I was living in. He's on Sunday mornings and try to get me to go, and I would hide from him and stuff like that. So, but anyway, one day I decided to go. I was like, I'll go one more time, and I, I went there, and I sat down, and I was just looking around, and I looked down, and this guy in the front seat turned around, and it was Rick Pasquale. Ah, boom! I was burning alive through that whole sermon. He talked about Zacchaeus. It wasn't even wasn't even that fiery of a sermon, but I was on fire because I knew God is like now. And I had to sit on my hands that whole time to, to keep from running down the aisle. And when he had that altar call, I ran down there. And it was, it was amazing. So the Lord just knocked me out again. I had let some things in my life that decided to start trying to come out at that point, if you know what I'm talking about. And I remember them ushering me back into this room and praying for me. And there were other people in that room. And uh, I remember closing my eyes and the room was filled with people, other people that were getting prayed for. And I opened my eyes and there was no one else in there except for the people praying for me. And there were manifestations and all sorts of things. I remember at one point I had, I was really depressed. It was my 19th birthday, I think. I was sitting out in the stoop uh, of our townhouse in Lansing. 
I was smoking a cigarette, and I was just staring. I was like two in the morning. I was just kind of staring off in the distance, and it was it was like there was something else there. It was like this this thing that was almost kind of swimming around my head, and he was just like, "Do it, do it, do it." This push, this propensity to just go, go in the basement, do it, do it, do it. And I verbally said yes. I said yes to that thing that was there. I went in the garage, grabbed a rope, went downstairs and proceeded to do that. And I started passing out and I got scared. So I pulled myself out of it and I was standing there like, what was it? What did I just do? Like the realization of what you just did kind of hits. And all of a sudden I felt something. It, it felt like something left me, like shot up out of me. But later on, I, I, the Lord showed me that it was actually something that came into me at that point. And my personality started to change. And that's when things, like I had said earlier, started to get quite a bit more dark. So um, the demonic is real. And they ain't fooling around. So don't play with them. That's kind of the point of that story. Uh, so at that point, they didn't like what was happening in my life uh, in that church. So it was a scene. Um, so once that happened, I was done. I was, I was back with the Lord, and I was set. This is it. This is going to be my life, 24 years old. So I continued on. I went back with my friends. I was like, come on, let's go to church. Let's do all this stuff, this, that, and the other thing. Um, I remember having them watch The Passion, and I was watching the movie with them. I was on the phone with my brother from Florida, I was looking at the the TV screen through the window of the porch that was there, and it was right about the point of the crucifixion, and this thought popped in my head. He deserved it. I was like, where did that come from? And from that point on, I started having these horrible demonic attacks, these horrible thoughts, blasphemies against the Holy Spirit, all these things, trying to convince me that I was done, that I had blasphemed the Holy Spirit, that I had grieved him, that I was over, that I couldn't come back worked on me for years, messed me up for a long time. It was like I was a crazy person at a few points. Uh, once I moved on from there, I got a job. I was traveling, met Bree, as she, she talked about that last week. Um, so we eventually got married. At one point, I got kind of frustrated because I didn't know the word well enough. And I was watching this TV show that was kind of spouting out things against the word slammed the Bible shut, and I was like, I can't do this. Like, I don't know. I don't know. And then I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And that night, I woke up about two or three in the morning. Just, these things, were, they, they were just crawling all over me because I had opened a door or whatever to let them ravage me again. So that continued for years. It was insane. It was, I, would lose, I couldn't sleep, couldn't eat, and lost weight. Um, it was terrifying. I lived in a constant state of terror. But the Lord, from day one, kept talking to me. He's like, he gave me that feeling in my spirit that was like, God's going to use this for something great. He's going to work out in me what he wants me to be, even though I've made these horrible mistakes. Um, and the whole time I was holding on to that thread of that prophecy when I was 14 years old. So it took about 12 years. Like I said, I had mentioned that 12 years to the day thing that the Lord did and showed me that 
that whole time, instead of seeking all these other things and all these other ministries and, and things that are great in, in certain aspects, I wasn't seeking him. And that the Lord told me right around the time when all that demonic torment started in a, a most amazing way, he, he told me that the rains are over and gone. A season of singing has come. The winter is over. The winter is past. It's Song of Solomon too. And it took 12 years later to the day for me to finally humble, humble myself to the point of asking him, why did you show me all that if I had to go through all this torment for 12 years? And he said, paraphrasing, as I was going for a walk in the rain in the physical, because I like to walk in warm rain and it was summertime, you decided to go for a walk in the rain, even though I told you the rains were over and gone. So it's that total and complete trust in what the Lord has told you that total and complete trust in the word that I wasn't relying on. I was going after things my own way, believing in the things I could see and I could hear instead of believing in the truth because the things you can see and hear are, they can be misleading. So from that point on, things in my life have been amazing. It's been a couple years almost right now at this point, I think. Yeah, something like that, maybe a year. But... The Lord is continuing to open up things in my life. He's continuing continuing to do his his work, even in days when I feel like, what am I doing with my life? There's so many things I wanted to do with my life, but I've tried to consistently go after what he has told me to do, even if it's waiting for years on end, when I feel like I could be doing so many other things, but where it says that many are the plans of man, but God chooses his path. So I just want to encourage everybody, if you're in a place of waiting, or if you're in a, in, a, in a desert as it is, or if you're in a place of wondering what God is doing with you, that he's doing with you what he wants, are you aligning yourself with him? Because I was not aligning myself with him to the point that I should have been that whole time. Um... Sometimes it takes a while for us to grow up, which is okay. I mean, some of those guys in the New Old Testament were 80 years old before things really, really took off for them. So, no matter what age you are, no matter what place you are in your life or in your walk with the Lord, it's always a good time to let go and let God do exactly what He wants with your life. And He will do great things with it. Um, it may not be the things you want to do but it's the things that are going to echo into eternity. Praises and glory for the Lord. So no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, God loves you. He's for you. He is not against you. And sometimes he deals with us in ways that are painful. Sometimes he deals with us in ways that are amazing and full of love. And it's all love. But just remember that he is love. And no matter what you've gone through, there is hope and a future for you. And for the people around you. So I have to kick myself in the butt every day to try to get out of my little introverted shell and reach out to the people that are around me. And some days I kill it. and Some days I suck. So it's okay because his patience is it's abounding and it's never ending. And uh, he sees you in a way 
that I wish we could see ourselves because it would change everything if we truly believed that and we truly saw his, his eyes, the reflection of us in his eyes. Um, we're unstoppable because of him. And I just encourage all of us, myself included, to go out there and just manifest that unstoppability for the sake of the Lord and for his name. He's not going to give up on you. He hasn't. He won't. He is good. And I'm living proof of that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. But I wouldn't be standing here if it wasn't for you. From the foundations of the world, Lord God, from before that, things that we don't understand, before time existed, outside of this box that we live in, this, this reality, it's governed with these laws and these things, these wonderful things that you've created Lord God, outside of that, Lord God, you ordained our steps. You placed us in the places that we sit and that we stand and that we walk so that we would reach out to you and be saved. Lord God, we thank you for victory over the enemy. We thank you for victory over our flesh. We thank you, Lord God, for the strength that you've given us in your word and that we can stand on it literally. Thank you that, Lord God, you offer yourself as a foundation in our lives. Help us to dig deep. As the parable says, dig deep and put our foundation on the rock. We thank you that you offer that to us. We thank you for being ever-present, for being always there, even when it feels like we can't hear you and we can't sense you. But thank you that you said you would never leave us nor forsake us. And thank you that you said you would never give us more than we could handle. Help us to rely on you today as we go out from this place, as we go into our daily lives, please be the first thing that we go to in the morning, the mainstay of our entire days, and the last thing that we go to at night. Invade our dreams, invade our work, Lord, inv invade our free time. You have purchased us with a price that is beyond understanding. Lord, help us to live out our lives as we should abundance and love and joy and peace and victory and courage. Lord, I just speak courage over this entire assembly today and all the churches all over the world that have met this week, this weekend, that are meeting right now. Thank you that you know exactly what you're doing. So help us to trust you and to know that we are truly your sons and daughters and to know truly what that means. In the name of Jesus.